0: Welcome along to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith, and uh, Liam Kennedy from the Shields Gazette. As always, is a Tuesday. Apologies for the pre record, uh, and unfortunately, it means you can't interact with this show this week. Um, I've got uh, two days away, um, and I've had to pre record Monday and Tuesday shows. So, uh, this might be slightly out of date. We've not really done this for Liam before, but um, we'll, we'll try to keep it as, uh, as, as, as up to date as possible. So, um, we're going to talk about Newcastle's forthcoming season in the Premier League. We're also going to talk about the squad and look in depth at the squad that we've got available, and obviously um, that will, you know, change day to day. As 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 we recording this on Sunday, we're currently looking at signing, uh, you know, Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson, both from Bournemouth. Uh, Jamal Lewis, of course, from uh, from Watford. Uh, there's other players potentially in the mix, Holding from from Arsenal. So, you know, we may have the unfortunate situation where those players have signed, and, and we're talking about them as uh, potential players when in fact they've become players so let's hope that's that's happened but um yeah liam great to have you on the show again mate and um let's 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 look at the goalkeeping position first and foremost mate you know for 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 the forthcoming season um you know, it's obviously something we've discussed a little bit on the show. Uh, Woodman gone out on a season long loan. Debravka, unfortunately injured. Darlow had to step into uh, the breach as he has done in calling cup games, etc., over the last few years. But um, you would imagine it's, between, it's a straight battle between him and Gillespie this season.
1: Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? I think um, it's interesting because if, if the Woodman deal hadn't been done so early in the summer, you might have quite fancied him having a little run just to see what he was like, given he played a full season in the Championship last year. Um, he's an impressive goalkeeper at England Youth International, formerly, um, but obviously he's away at the moment. So it purely is down to Carl to Darlow uh, and Mark Gillespie, given that uh, really bad injury, such a big blow to Newcastle United's uh, early season chances, anyway, because Martin Dubravka, as we've both said on this show, was, um, was Nikassi United's player of the season last year. Had he not have put in the performances that he did, um, the amount of saves that he made, um, crucial saves as well at crucial times, he won Nikassi United more points than he lost. Yes, he made the odd mistake. He's not perfect. But when you're having to uh, make so many saves, you're under so much pressure because of uh, the lack of protection in front of you. You're obviously going to make mistakes. But I think Dubravka is a fantastic goalkeeper. And the problem that you've got is... Um, with him being out medium term, um, you haven't got anybody who can step in um, and and cover him uh, to anywhere near the standard. Carl Caldarlo's a decent goalkeeper. Now, I know I've seen the footage um, from the games. He's been terrible. He has. He looked awful in that game against Middlesbrough, the Hammer. Um, But, that's... I still think he's alright. I think he's an alright goalkeeper. And he's a good number two. um, But, Unfortunately, sometimes you need your number twos to come in and, and do this medium term. Um, and I think a lot of people haven't got a lot of confidence in Carl Dardo, um, which is why I think people people are looking towards uh, Mark Gillespie, despite the fact he's a little bit unknown. Um, and I've got good contacts up in Scotland, and a lot of people speak really highly of him. City did a really good job up there. um, was one of the top-rated goalkeepers in the division, apart from the obvious couple at the top, um, from your likes of Rangers, uh, Alan McGregor. Uh, Celtic, Scott Bain uh, and other goalkeepers as well um, I think it's I think it's a tough choice it's, it's one that Bruce is going to have to have had a good look at in pre-season and if he's looked at this and thought, and seen the goals they've conceded then Darlow isn't really going to get an opportunity but I think when he brought Darlow in for the FA Cup games last season I think he quite impressed Bruce um, so I would suspect Darlow is going to get a chance but it's, it's gone from probably the strongest position in the, in the Calcinated squad because of Darlow uh, because of sorry Dubravka um to potentially one of the weakest and that's just that's only taking one injury to do so do so but that can happen in the goalkeeping position. It's really down to Darlow to sort of bring up bring back some of that form that he did show and he was a decent goalkeeper for Newcastle um during the championship season but he had the he had the odd rick in him. Um and we need to see him um channel that sort of uh positive I think he's quite a positive goalkeeper. Um bit of a talk guy, he makes really good saves, he's excellent at saving penalties he has got positives but ultimately he's not Martin Dubravka and that's one of the biggest problems that they're going to face
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, come to next week, um, have a think about it as we as we progress through the squad, and I, w- I want your prediction as to who is going to make that starting lineup against their uh, West Ham. Um, let's look at the back four. Obviously, uh, you know the back four was was relatively successful last year um, at both ends of the pitch. You know there, there was there was you know obviously enough clean sheets to keep Newcastle Castle United. Out of trouble. A lot of that was down to Dubravka, but uh, we had a lot of goals from, from that area as well. Are, are we expecting to see the same? Or are you expecting a similar kind of setup? Because obviously, when Bruce came in, he, he altered the, the style of play, altered Rafa's uh, solid, solid unit at the back, uh, but then quickly reverted back to it once the results started to go against him and uh, almost played a Rafa style of football last year, which, which ultimately ground out the results
1: yeah and then, and then I think the struggle with that towards the end it was it was it was a, a year of transition for Bruce. I think he, he towards the end of the season he almost um, he trusted in his own methods. I think he really did that during the middle of that season when results didn 't come their way, and that wasn 't a positive thing to see from a manager but it was it was also um quite uh, I suppose you could say he, he really he just managed it reasonably well in some ways he just worked with what he had um there is sort of positives in that as well but I think from um, a back four sense, I've talked about this on the, on the show before. Um, I'll start on the right, move across the left. I'm not, I'm not convinced in any way, shape or form this squad has got a right back worthy of playing in a back four at all in it. I don't think Emil Kraft, I've seen Emil Kraft play centre half and a three uh, on the right. Um, we've seen him play on the left. We've seen him play in a right as a right wing back. And I just don't genuinely believe he's a defender of any real quality. Um, I'd love to think I was proved wrong but I, I don't rate him uh, one bit um, so I think there's a problem there Javier Mankiw is a fill in man he's a squad filling man who can do a job on the left or do the job on the right but if you're going to have to go into a season and want to rely upon somebody like Javier Mankiw as your right back for the full season you're going to get issues and the same can be said of uh, Deandre Yedlin fantastic going forward but so often gets caught out defensively I think we've seen that with the goal the other day in the final friendly against Stoke a simple ball in from the right. DeAndre Yedlin has no clue where Sam Klukas is at the back post and just standing looking at him five yards away. That's DeAndre Yedlin all over. I quite like him and he was better in a disciplined Rafa Benitez side, but only just. He's not up to scratch. Um and I think talk of a new contract would be papering over the cracks. Um I think if you keep I think you could only keep one of them in your squad, it was either Manchill or it was Yedlin for me. Um, and I think they're probably picked right. I think Mankiw's got less mistakes in him. Um, whereas Yedlin's a bit flashier in a forward sense, but um, makes a lot of mistakes. So I think they've got big problems at right-back. Um, I'll switch across the left before we talk about the centre. The left, obviously, we're talking about Jamal Lewis. He's a, he's a player that we fully expect at this point to be a castinated player. Um, they've managed to win that race because they've paid the cash up front. Um, paying the cash up front for a team who's just been relegated is, is a fantastic bargaining tool, and they're also finding that with Bournemouth as well. Um, if you pay the cash up front, it allows teams to reinvest in their own team, as well as potted a little bit to sort of uh, ease the woes, the financial woes that a drop to the championship can bring. Um, he's, a, he's an athletic player who likes to get forward, um, probably again best suited to a back five, the three, so he can he can bomb on down that left-hand side. But I'm quite excited by this signing. Um, he's a very good player. He's internationally capped with Northern Ireland. Um, and I think that's exactly what Newcastle United needs. He, he, um, he fits He fits the model, is what I would say. So we've, we've seen a lot of breaking of the mould this summer with the type of players, the age, the contract, etc. that Newcastle United are paying out. Um, but he really fits into the Mike Ashley mould. That, that he is, he's a player who they're going to pay, say, £13 million for. Who could quite easily, if he continues to progress, be worth double that in a season's time and then potentially more uh, beyond that. And he's only 22, so he really does fit that mould. And back up there, you've got Paul Dummett. Paul Dummett's going to have to be the left-back. I don't believe he is a left-back. He was an excellent left-back under Rafa Benitez. Because he was one of the intelligent ones in the squad. And by intelligent, I mean football intelligence. Somebody who listens, somebody who takes it all in and improves as a player. I think he was one of the the real success stories of that Rafa Benitez three years. That Paul Dummett went from being a bit of a bit part left-back who wasn't quite good enough and then wasn't quite good enough to play as one of your centre-halves to being somebody who's quite a, a, a constant regular in that side and a valuable part of it as well. So I think Paul Dummick can, can do that filling role on the left. He's not going to give you the forward expansive stuff, but he'll definitely not let you down defensively. Um, he'll also cover at centre-half, um, which Newcastle United, although being well-stocked, um, for me, do also have some issues. Um, I think Jamal Lascelles is your, your your first pick in any team because he's your skipper. Federico Fernandez is, for me, the best all-round defender uh, Newcastle United have in their squad. Closely followed, for me, by Kieran Clark. I think Kieran Clark again, is, especially in a, a back four, is, is one of those two quite easily um, because he can play a bit he can move. He can. He's not. He's not worried about being pulled out wide because he's not slow. Um, he's not quick either. But he's quite an intelligent defender. He can win it. He's physical. Um, Federico Fernandez is exactly the same on the other side. Does all of those things. Ticks every single box. Um, scores goals as well. Both of them do. Both of them are, are a menace in the opposition box because they, they hassle Harry and they know how to defend those against those type of players. So they know exactly what they wouldn't want to be defending against. So they, they attack the areas that defenders hate defend them, um, from corners and set pieces. Um so those three centre halves for me are the three you, you kinda of sort of build it around with Dummett and um, being a bit of a fill in man. Um then after that is the two controversial ones. Um I've had a couple of two and bit of two and fro with some people on Twitter about Florian Lejeune. Um I think Florian Lejeune, when Rafa Benitez signed him, he really signed him as a and Ian Markham has been a fantastic Premier League defender in that position. It took him a little bit of time. He was a slow burner um, because he hasn't got the pace. Um, he hasn't got the pace of that players. And I think he struggles to get up to speed um, with the Premier League uh, sort of dynamism and, and pace that there is um, in the forward lines. But when he is up to speed, he's, he's like a Rolls Royce defender at times. He's fantastic on the ball. Um, injuries have killed him. I just don't believe he's the same player that he was when he signed because he's had two major injuries. I think he was thrown in at the deep end a little bit last season when he was thrown in, but a player should be able to do that. A player should be able to come in and and get up to speed quite quickly. And Lejeune proved, I think he did that the previous injury as well, proved he takes some time to really come back. And I wonder whether that's something that Newcastle United can rely upon. For me, he would be a player that I would probably quite happily let go. And I would say the same uh, for Fabian Shaw. Again, a fantastic footballer. Uh, really fantastic footballer. But if you're going to play a four at the back, and let's be pragmatic here, you can't play Fabian Shaw. Um, and I think we've seen that awards end last season that he was moved into midfield um, because he's a little bit more suited in that system. I like them both. This isn't a criticism of Lejeune or a criticism of Shaw. Um, both uh, fantastically cheap. Rafa Benitez signings used his contacts brilliantly to bring these players in. Probably a combined favour around £10 million for those two defenders. And pass United. Even though um, they haven't probably seen the best of Lejeune at times, they've probably more than had their money's worth out of those two players, given the the price of players in the market um, at the moment. But I just don't feel like they fit into this team and this system. And I think that's why Steve Bruce has pursued pursued some kind of uh, battle just to fill that uh, quarter at centre-half, because we've seen Isaac Hayden have to fill in there uh, when a few players had a knock. so I think I think he's he's looking for Rob Holden, and I, I expect that will be a deal that, if it hasn't already, would would progress very, uh, very quickly, and it'll be one that goes through before the end end of the window, and, and possibly even before we play the game on Saturday. Um, another player who who um, is a decent footballer, um, he's a, he's a decent centre half, hasn't played a lot of games, had injuries, but I think Bruce probably fancies taking a risk on his own man rather than having to sort of nurture a legion back to fitness. Um, or, or even Shaw who's, who's had a big injury with his shoulder being popped out at the end of last season I think um, the discipline of Fabian Shaw was an issue for Benitez and I think the discipline for Shaw is a big issue for um, Bruce as well, particularly in a fall
0: OK, good stuff Midfield, obviously we had our uh, top goal scorer playing in, in, in midfield last season John Joe Shelby um, but there's a lot of competition uh, in there, especially with the the acquisition of Hendricks, um, you know, talk us through the the midfield rules. Uh, obviously, that's where the uh, the goal line supply is going to come from next season.
1: So I suppose what what we're thinking, Bruce, will play. It's really difficult because we've had a media blackout, and we haven't even even been able to see the team in action really at all this summer, apart from a couple of uh, a couple of brief uh, highlights packages. Um, what I would say, it looks as though he's probably going to want to play that too, like he did last season, and I've got to say that um, it wouldn't necessarily be my choice, um, but I think John Joe Shelby will almost certainly be one of those two. Um, he was the top scorer, as he said last season in the Premier League, um, and on his day, he's got the ability um, to run a Premier League game. The problem is, and this is why he frustrates uh, so much, particularly when he cast United fans, is that we know that he's got that ability, and we just don't see it, and and, and that's that's an issue, and um, because he, when he's at his best, he's he's fantastic, absolutely fantastic, and spray balls all over the park, and um, isn't is really slow um, at times, in his movements around the park, but can as he proved last season can get on the end of things and break into the box and be an extra man getting in there. I suspect next season that'll be less of a role for his. He'd probably be sitting deeper. Um, and it'll probably almost certainly be with with Jeff Hendrick, I would think. I think um, Steve Bruce has probably got eyes on playing Hendrick um, a little bit deeper. Um, if not, you're probably going to say it's Isaac Hayden again. I'm, I'm a big Isaac Hayden fan, but I think, um, I think there's a lot made of Isaac Hayden's performances. And he, he's OK. He's an OK Premier League midfielder. I've seen a lot of people when the last England squad was announced, people saying, well, how, how can't Isaac Hayden get in if such and such or such and such gets in? Come on, I think you're looking through black and white spectacles there because that's not, Isaac Hayden doesn't fit in an England squad. I'm not saying he's a decent, he's not a decent player, he is, but he's our level. He's not, he's not an England international. Um, I don't think he's ever really proved that at Newcastle United. And it's the same for John Joe Shelby as well. John Joe Shelby's never, never, ever looked like an England international, despite people putting calls out there for him. Um if he was if he was of England international level standard, he would have spent more time in Liverpool and got more game time. And Swansea wouldn't have been so happy to give him away to Newcastle in that January window before we got relegated. There's obvious issues there. Um but those two, frustratingly, we've been looking to looking to replace that centre midfield duo um since since the year we got promoted. That was the that was the centre midfield we got promoted with. Um and Bar and um, the adaption of D to a deeper role for that season and a half. Um Castle have really lacked in that area. Hopefully Hendrick can bring a little bit more in that department. Hendrick's got a good, um, he's got an ability to sort of get into get into areas. He, he can be a real number eight in that road, gets up and down, can go both ways. Um, he's not a tackle lad, but he's a hassle hassle Harry type of man. But he's got a little bit of quality as well. And I expect that, I think, in his first team, if all fit, um, Bruce would probably like to see Shelby and Hendrick probably um be that midfield, but then beyond that, you've got other options. Matty Longstaff is is the one for me that uh, this season I'd really like to see break into that side, because as I've mentioned, there are limitations with Shelby, there are limitations with Hayden. Um, I would hope that Matty Longstaff could really take advantage in that department and, and establish himself as much more of a regular towards the end of this season. Um, he needs to get fit. He needs to stay fit. It's a problem his brother's had. Hopefully, he doesn't fall in that category as well. Um, but Sean Longstaff can play in there. I don't. I genuinely don't believe that's his best position. I think he has to be uh, played a little bit further forward. And when we get on the attacking positions, that's probably where I'll slot him in.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's it's a fascinating battle um in that midfield position, and, and it'd be interesting to see you know who Steve Bruce eventually starts uh, when when we come to uh, the game against West Ham. Um, the forward line is always going to be uh, interesting. Obviously, as I mentioned at the start of the program, we've pre-recorded this, and at the time of recording, Callum Wilson is um you know on his way to uh, to Newcastle to talk terms and to hopefully take part in a successful medical. Um that's that's, you know, the, the striker that we've all been crying out for. Obviously much needed with Dwight Gale being injured and Joel Linton not being in any kind of form. So, you know, Andy Carroll of course having an injury list, you know you know, uh, being on the injury list more times than he is available. So yeah, I mean it's it's much needed. Um you know, give it give us your your assessment of, of Newcastle United's players that they could select to, to try and score the goals to to keep us up.
1: So I'll start. I'll start probably in the centre. Actually, the attacking midfield position. Um, so I think it's a straight shootout in that position. Hendrick can play there. Could also be him. But I think it's probably more a shootout between Miguel Almiron. We've got seven or eight goals last season from that position. Or Sean Longstaff. If Sean Longstaff's fit and firing, I think he gives a different dynamic in that area of the field. And he's probably somebody that I think Bruce will look to. Uh, look to select. He can score goals with both feet, he can arrive late in the box, he can score from distance. And I just think you'll he, he, um, be able to mow back into a midfield when you're under pressure. I really like him in that position. And that's no that's just a personal choice. It's no um it's no slight on Almiron because again I've said on here numerous times in the past. I think Almiron's a fantastic footballer. Um, he lacks a little bit of quality in the final third despite chipping him with goals and assists last season Um, and that's something that you could maybe improve on a touch Um, but I think it's probably a straight shoot out there and again like I say Hendrick could easily fill in in that role Um, if you're trying to play a little bit more of a defensive side Um, out on the right Ryan Fraser will be an accastinated player Um, I've been on top of this story all summer it's taken its time as Jeff Hendrick did Um, but it's, it's as good as there or um, when we speak on Sunday afternoon until he signs for Aston Villa on Monday morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he's he's um, he's as good as an Ecahsteinet player. That's all pretty much there and sorted. Um, and I think he's a fantastic addition. We're only talking um, probably twelve to eighteen months ago. Ecahsteinet would have like even then, in the would have snapped your hand off to take Fraser and Wilson. Really would because they're a fantastic pairing with Josh King. Players that Rafa Benitez and the scouting team really, really went in for during the time here. And that's, those reports have stayed true. Uh, and they're eventually probably going to get both. Uh, that they're going to get both. Josh King, I think, has got eyes on it. Having that, seen that Manchester United move fall uh, in January, I think he's got moves on a European, uh, European ambition. So that's probably one that's going to fall by the wayside. Not that it's been on, really on the agenda this summer. Um, so, yeah, Ryan Fraser on the right-hand side. Obviously, doubt about Matt Ritchie. Will Matt Ritchie stay? Will he not? Um, that's not part of the deal. But it would be absolutely no shock to me if we did get towards the end of the summer or the summer window. It's not going to be the summer by the time the summer window ends, but when it does, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Ritchie maybe went out on loan, possibly to Bournemouth. If um, a financial package can't be put together, it um, satisfies the player and satisfies Newcastle United. Um, and I suspect... Um, there's probably some talks with regards Richie's future gone on as part of this, um, callum Wilson deal, and um, promises made. Because there's only certain reasons why you would reject a higher bid um, from another club um, and not ask the other club to come come in with something higher. But the players obviously had his say, and I think they've they've let him go to the place that he wants to go to. He doesn't want to go to Aston Villa. He wants to come to Cas United, which is um, something that's really really positive. How many times have we have we talked about a player? Doing something like that with Cassie United in recent years, turning down another top flight rival. Yes, Aston Villa just avoided relegation, but they're spending big. They're gonna have a go this summer. And and why wouldn't he wanna sign there? He's from the Midlands. No, he wants to be, he wants to come to UCAS United. And I suspect even though he's in number 13, I've heard a little rumours he might be the number nine. Um, and I think he probably quite fancies that. Um be interesting to see what number he is given, but I've heard a little rumours that Joe Linton might have that pressure taken off his shoulders this summer. Um obviously we'll only have to wait and see because we'll find that out at the weekend um when the numbers are on people's backs because Joel Linton's certain to be there and Callum Wilson is almost certain to be there too. Um also on the right hand, have we got anybody else for the right hand side? I think that's we're done. Left hand side, uh Saint Maximin, um is your easier pick straight away. Um he's your game changer, he's the one that can give you uh, something different. Um and we've seen the qualities that he can bring to the side. Um beyond that, Joe Linton's probably somebody that'll have to drop in there from time to time because he's been proven he's not really a centre forward for Newcastle United. And then up top we've talked in depth about Wilson. Um I'm a massive fan. I said that as far back as when we started this show, Steve, when we talked about centre forwards, he was he was the one that I really fancied Newcastle United to go out and get. I always kind of feared that he would be outside of their price bracket. It appears they've been able to um sort of hold their metal and get him for a Sum that doesn't look ridiculous um, doesn't fit the Mike Ashley mould at all. No way, shape. We've never paid this kind of figure, and I know it's all relative. Newcastle, you haven't paid 20 million for many players under Mike Ashley, um, only one, in fact, because Miguel Almiron, despite being 21 million, um, was not a 21 million pound signing, um, he cost around 15 16 million. Um, and it, the rest was add ons, but it was painted as a 21 million pound signing because they really wanted to be seen to be breaking the record. Yeah, if it wasn't, um, it was nowhere near. So, you can't do this, they don't go out and spend that kind of money. If they do, you would expect it would be a Joe Linton, somebody who was a 22, 23. Uh, Almiron was um, mid, young mid 20s when they signed him for that fee. Um, Alan St. Maximin, he in and around that Almiron fee, was the same sort of age. Callum Wilson's 29 next year, 29 this season. That's not the type of player that Newcastle got on go out and sign. But there's nothing wrong with that either. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But Mike Ashley's never, ever said yes to this kind of thing, which is totally bizarre. There could be other reasons. There could be everyone speculating as to why that could be the case. But whatever it is, we've now got a centre-forward, who I believe is an England centre-forward. Um, he's, he's scored and had caps recently. And when have Newcastle United gone out and done that? Signed somebody who's in and around the fringes of an England squad and really got everybody excited. Um, They've really bought from the domestic market as well, which is a real shock this summer. Um, Newcastle United are known for going out and finding um, little sort of bargain buys from the continent and picking up value elsewhere, because there is value. There's more value than what you normally get here, but they've really taken advantage this summer with Fraser, um, who who was quoted, at one point, quoted by probably 80 percent of the Premier League would have taken him quite happily. Some of those top top six sides. I know Tottenham and Arsenal were two names mentioned to the player by his agent um earlier this year. Never materialised of course, but um Newcastle United fought off good interest. Crystal Palace are, are, are a decent a decent club now, decent manager. Um he's not going um, back to come to Newcastle. Part of it could be the finance, but I don't buy this um I don't buy this moving close at the family thing with Fraser by the way. I'm not, no. not into that, no. It's, it's, it's probably, quick. I've, I lived in Dundee for five years, it'll be quicker to fly from where he was in Bournemouth up to Aberdeen than what it would be to drive from Newcastle all the way up there, or even fly. I mean, it's going to be easier to get flights from down there all the way up to Aberdeen than what it would be for Newcastle. So, yeah, I don't, I don't quite buy into that idea. I know it paints a, paints a picture for people out there, but I, I genuinely don't think it's that. Um. But I think, I think these players, and, and I'm not Steve Bruce's biggest fan, neither are you, Stephen, but, but we've, we've talked about um, his style. And I think his style is, I think players quite like him. He's not mm-hmm. always going to get the best team out there, but he is like a player's manager. Um, and he'll not always get the best out of them tactically or really bring the best out of them as footballers long to medium term. But I think he's quite a nice manager to play for. I think the players quite like being in and around his team. Um, again, whether they're fully tested and in a footballing sense, is another thing altogether. But I think in terms of morale, I think they really do. The players buy into Bruce, and, and he's quite an affable character. He's somebody that, if you do have those face-to-face talks, which um, the the Fraser deal was mentioned about, um, then it would be no shock to see Steve Bruce uh, win the day with certain players over other clubs, because he's got that character, he's a likeable guy. Um, and people, like I say if you speak to any players that have played under him they do like playing for him there's obviously not Ross McCormack he wasn't particularly happy playing with him but um, there's a few others out there but mostly in the main he's quite a popular manager um, Can't remember where I was now centre forward position Andy Carroll mm. right get on Andy Carroll I think I suspect Andy Carroll will probably be Newcastle centre forward when we start against uh, West Ham next week and I'm saying this for the simple reason that he's played most of the pre-season so I would suspect he'll be the one that gets selected. We'll probably get an hour out of him. Um, fingers crossed he's fit, of course, yep. because that's the problem Carroll. But I suspect he'll be the man who leads the line. And I don't think it's a bad choice, really. It's against his old club. You really want to make a point down there. Um, all eyes will be on him in that game in a lot of senses. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of turmoil at West Ham, so I could see him causing some havoc um, in that game for an hour. And then, fingers crossed, we'll have somebody like a Callum Wilson... To come on a really neat and really make a difference, a lot depends on fitness. I'll be honest with you, I'm not clued up on how much football Callum Wilson's played this summer. Um, be interested to see, um, but he's if he can come in and hit the ground running, then he's got to start. If I pay him twenty million pound for him, but I've just got a feeling Andy Carroll might get a nod from the off um, down there in London, um, and after that. There's nothing options. You'd be surprised if Dwight Gale. I think Dwight Gale's fighting to be named in the 25-man squad. But if he's realistically going to be out for three months, um, I think it's going to be a big, a big if on that sense because he might not be back till December, um, and and December, November, December. Do you name him in the squad when he can maybe only play seven games, six games, or do you name somebody else? It's one of those, and I think. They're having issues getting rid of players like uh, Yoshinori Muto. I didn't mention Christine Atsu on that left hand side. That they're the type of players who they are looking for a, an exit door. Not the players themselves, Newcastle United desperately want them to go, but they've been trying to trying to palm Atsu off in some ways to uh, for, for a little while now behind the scenes, and there doesn't seem to be a, a stack of take as I know Celtic are somebody that have really, really taken a good look at him there, Celtic are hoping that this Ryan Fraser deal almost triggers Yucassi um, United to allow Christian Atsu to go north of the border um, fingers crossed it does I think he'd have a big impact up there, he's a decent footballer, a decent professional, he's not been a bad player for Newcastle, but really he's another player that we're looking at saying can we improve on him and very much so you you, want, you would want to um, and Yoshinori Muto I genuinely think a point that there is a player in there whether he's a player in England and whether it's a player in this system, I just don't think managers trust him. Uh, Benitez brought him in, didn't trust him enough to play him. Um, I suspect he's probably a better player playing off the front man rather than the front man, certainly um, because of his size and stature. I think he was brought in in some ways to rival Jose Perez when he was signed. Yeah, in that world, just off, um, buzzing around, busy, um, not a goal scorer, so you don't want to play him as a centre forward. But he just hasn't really, he hasn't really it just hasn't been a sign that's gelled at all um, and I don't think anybody would be um, disappointed to see the back of him and I think uh, he's one that probably towards the end of the window Newcastle the really push it to get out the problem with him is he's on massive wages massive wages years left on his contract he's going to have to be a giveaway to somebody and that's that's a really difficult deal to do um, a loan back to Germany could be back on the table uh, there's clubs in Italy I think have been interested in Spain have inquired but it's a difficult one. The Newcastle have got a few of those in the squad. That's without even getting getting into the likes of um, Henri Saive, who's played every game in pre-season. Incredible. A lad who is not going to be a part of the Newcastle United squad has been playing games this pre-season. Incredible. But that's Newcastle United. We're always doing things like this. It's nothing It's nothing new. Um, what's the point? Why? Obviously, Bruce is trying to be kind to him and give him 20 minutes here and there to get the lad's spirits up, but Looked to be picking a wage up here have doing nothing, and um, he's on a massive wage. And it was another total error of judgment from the, yeah, uh, from the, the people at the top of the football club, whereby they sign a player um, because they think they'll get other players, etc. And A little bit of a, a favour signing. It doesn't work. You put somebody on big wages and they're not good enough. You're not going to be able to get rid of them. We've seen that with Dwight Gale. They probably would have got rid of him if he wasn't on such high wages. Yoshinori Muto, Ashraf Lazar. Ashraf Azar was a, a Benitez mistake, and he admits that himself. He was painted a picture from his contacts in Italy that he was going to be something that he wasn't, um, and, he, and he really wasn't. Um, he was in there with a Hazard Scammer's situation where he got 2 fullbacks in. Everyone thought, right, well, they're, they're, they're going to do something. One from Serie A, one from uh, La Liga. Both absolutely horrific. Um, Rolando Ahrens is another player that, that, that's probably going to have to find a way out of the football club. And then we mentioned it on the last show, Steve, that there's so many players in this squad who who've got one year left on their deals. Dwight Gale, Isaac Hayden, Fabian Shaw, DeAndre Yedlin. The list's almost endless. Um, Kieran Clark, Federico Fernandez, Carl Darlow, and to a lesser extent, of course. But there's lots of lots of players in this squad who who've got no idea what the um They know their short-term future, but beyond that, they they don't. Um, That could go one of two ways. If you've got players who are content here and really want to stay, that could bring the best out of them. They'll want to prove that they need to be in this this football club. I suspect a lot of players on that list aren't in that category, though. Um, So I think that's quite a dangerous position to put yourselves in.
0: How much of a concern is the the pre-season form? Uh, to you, I mean Newcastle's pre-season is the same as everyone else's. It's a it's a lot shorter. Um, the calibre of of opposition we've talked about on the show hasn't been great because of COVID and you know not being able to travel great distances, so I had to rely on you know sub opposition. It has to be said, but that substandard opposition has turned us over. Five-one uh, defeat at Middlesbrough, um, a rearranged game, a return fixture wasn't forthcoming. Um, we didn't find out why from the club. Neil Warnock was the man who said it was because of the injuries that were had, if, if that's to be believed. And um, then we played Stoke, uh, managed, of course, by former Newcastle forward Michael O'Neill. Um, and and we lost a, a narrow game 1-0. Obviously, we had the uh, the issues of discipline as well with uh, Jamala Sells getting sent off against Middlesbrough. It's, uh, it's never great um, when, when you have... That kind of pre season. So, is that really something to be concerned about, or is it simply just a case of blowing the cobwebs off with pre season?
1: No, I think it is a concern. Um, you've got to think Newcastle United are going up against Premier League opposition uh, as of Saturday, and they've really struggled against Championship, lower Championship opposition this summer. Um, it has to be a big concern. Um, yes, these are training games, but it's also a little bit of momentum, a bit of confidence. Um, if we're not confident, the players will probably feel a little bit of that as well. Um, I think it's, I think it's, I think the game on Saturday was less of a less of a litmus test in a sense because it was so depleted the squad, um, and I suspect although some of those knocks may see the players miss the first game, there'll be others who would be protected a little bit and will be fine for that game. Um, obviously, then there's the likes of Jamal Lascelles who definitely come back in, um, but it'll be a t- it'll be a new look Newcastle United side on Saturday compared to the one we have seen uh, the Saturday just gone, um, and it really needs to be um, because they were very poor by all accounts on Saturday and even poorer in the week um, against Middlesbrough. That's the litmus test. Is the Middlesbrough game is the big concern, not just because of the scoreline, but because they effectively put a, a pretty good side out there. In that first half, it was probably a 70 to 80% side of what you would have expected at that point to start the season. Um, Probably give or take a Jacob Murphy and a couple of others take out the side. That is the team you would expect to start at West Ham, minus any signings, of course. Um, And I think that's that's a huge, huge concern for Steve Bruce. It has to be. Um, And I think there's a little bit of the... um, the need for action has come in this week for the transfers. They've, they've known, they've re- almost realised the gravity of the situation, which is something that this hierarchy at Newcastle have never really seemed to, to have done to this point. But they did this time realise that something needs to change. And luckily, they've pulled their finger out and um, produced some, Some, uh, I, think, I think a lot of Newcastle fans are, are quite positive um, now. And I think it has lifted a little bit of gloom despite that defeat again at the weekend. Um, if they can get these deals, we're probably speaking ahead. Uh, and They've probably done these deals, but if they can get left back, the left-back, the centre-four and the right-winger in, I think Newcastle United would probably say, even if they call it a day there, would say they've probably had a decent summer. Um, it's no more than decent. They're the type of players Newcastle United should be signing, um, but they don't, which is why it feels like a big celebration, because these are the type of players Newcastle United don't sign. They never go out and sign, proven Premier League quality. Um, and I would argue the two free transfers despite a lot of criticism I think in our bracket I don't think I think the United have probably signed the best two free transfers that were available in the Premier League
0: I'd um, agree yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd agree I think I think it's been so far all of these players have come in you know um, over this over this next few days um before this show goes live, then it, it will have been a really good uh, window so far. And of course, that will also be judged on on who actually leaves. You know, if we lose and Maximum before the end of uh, before the end of October, then of course, you know, that it does move the goalpost slightly. But as far as kicking the season off with these players in the bag, and you know, you know people who've established themselves in the Premier League, as you say, homegrown players, it it seems though that there's been a narrative changed, and and. That's what's causing probably the most discussion on social media over the last few days is some people feel as you know this is completely unlike Ashley is Ashley being you know given given the go ahead by potential new owners to spend money and, and and you know are they investing money into the club because they know there's going to be an announcement soon has been one of the uh, you know one of the suggestions other people simply suggesting that this is Mike Ashley looking at things and thinking well you know I cannot afford for this team to be relegated because you know if the the worst Scenario happens and the, the takeover doesn't go through, then you know this team has to remain in the Premier League at all costs because you know if I do want to sell it, then it's going to sell for peanuts in in you know the, in the Championship, and I'm going to lose a lot of money.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably more of that. Um, like I say, I think there's actually been a bit of a realization. And let's not forget, we had a previous manager, in Rafa Benitez, who really jarred with Mike Ashley as a character. The two did not um, particularly, they didn't dislike each other, but they, did, they had totally different ethos, totally different ideas um, and directions that they wanted the football club to go in. And that really didn't mix well. In Steve Bruce, you've got a manager um, who was effectively selected by, um, it, well, whatever of us to be believed, did Steve Bruce put himself forward? Did he not? We don't really know the true story. But it, it was Mike Ashley's appointment. Mike Ashley met him. Mike Ashley was happy for him to take the job. And I think Mike Ashley's a little bit more invested in Steve Bruce emotionally than what he was in Rafa Benitez. So I think he's more likely to push the boat a little for Steve Bruce. And I think we have seen a little bit of that. Steve Bruce has obviously been applying the pressure behind the scenes, saying, come on, we need to sort this out. We need players. And and to be honest, in fa- in fairness, he's produced the goods. Um, and I, I do give a lot of credit um, to Steve Bruce for that. Um, not necessarily the people above, because... It's gone past that for me with the people above. that made so many bad decisions and mistakes that a little couple of decent summers isn't going to solve that. It's, there's a lot more um, water being under the bridge than, than just a couple of £20 million signings. So, um, yeah, I think Steve Brewster deserves a lot of credit for what they've done this summer.
0: Yep, yeah, I'm not going to disagree on that. I think um, there's certainly been a, a relationship built between them, and that's the reason that we've seen, you know, this this you know this particular uh, transfer window a bit more action and, and early on. And of course, Lee John has been criticised by us uh, on this show for being quite slow. Well, he has, He's you know he's managed to do more than one deal, um, you know, together, which which is great. You know, Ryan Fraser, Callum Wilson. Um, you know, Jamal there was all of these sign-ins, you know, ongoing as we speak, but hopefully all, all you know, done and dusted by the time this show goes out uh, Tuesday night. Um, Joe Linton, obviously we've, we've talked a little bit about him. A lot of people chattering on, on Twitter about the number nine shirt and saying that Callum Wilson comes in, um, you know, should should he have the shirt taken off him you've already suggested that might be a possibility um, I think a lot of people a lot of fans also feel though that that shirt should be earned but um, is your understanding that potentially Callum Wilson could take the number nine and uh, you know Joe Linton will will, hand, will happily give it up
1: I do believe it is something that's come up in conversations um, as mm-hmm. part of this year whether it's something that actually comes into action is nothing altogether and we'll find that out relatively quickly because I imagine both will be involved um, on saturday and um, so it'll be something that we we'll know either way probably on friday i think and um, they'll probably see some kind of a suggestion or announcement of, of squad numbers um, ahead of the, the season but I'd, it's a difficult decision it's a one that is it does it have to be earned does it not yeah probably should be it probably should be um but it isn't always it's often just given to the, the center forward um and i think that's something that um has to sort of has to be weighed up, really. Um, I would probably say, stick with uh, Joe Linton, um, probably. I think we've got a visitor on the back, yeah. This is all like BBC. That's very good, very good. No, so I would probably give it to, I'd probably stick with Joe Linton in some sense. Depends, does the player want it? Like you've got to ask that as well. Does the player does the player feel like there's extra pressure being a number nine at Newcastle United? Maybe he does. Um I wouldn't give it to Andy Carroll as some people have seemed to suggest. Um he's he's not gonna play enough to, to be wearing the number nine. I'd like to see Callum Wilson get it. I think it's I think it's a real selling point of, of um, being a centre forward at Newcastle United. Um he's a player who scores double figures in the Premier League quite regularly. Um, so I think you should. I think I want to see him turn around Newcastle and say I want that shirt. I think that's a positive thing. He's that. That's a sign of intent that he's coming up to score goals. And I'm really excited by him. Um, even if he doesn't do that, if he takes the 13, I think that's what he wears for Bournemouth, number 13. From memory, I don't think anybody's got the 13 shirt in Newcastle. Um, so that probably could be an easy fit if they didn't want to. If if the manager didn't want to upset things with Joe Linton in a sense. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say um, it's a tough one. I want to see, I wanna see uh, Wilson come in and say, yes, I want that number nine shirt. Because it's, it's outside of being a top six footballer at the moment in the Premier League. There aren't many, many big selling points that football clubs have. Um, but that number nine shirt for a centre forward in Newcastle United is a real point of difference.
0: The fact that the club haven't really been speaking to the journalists has been a bit strange. The embargo, um, you know, what, what's all that been about, Liam? Any, any ideas or, you know, is any suggestions as to why there's been a lack of communication?
1: Uh, I, I don't think it's been a... I don't think it's been, in some senses, I don't think it's been a, a coordinated thing. Um, I know they did have some staffing issues for the Middlesbrough game. It was said to me, and then it was explained later on that Middlesbrough don't um, do not do communications during games. and um, So that was an explanation for that kind of thing. Um, I find the the media blackout on Saturday inexplainable. There's no reason why in a 52,000-seat stadium you couldn't allow a few press men in, and then you couldn't do a Zoom call straight after with a manager. Because what we've had this summer is we, we're going into a season where, as press men, who relay things to fans from these games is we're going into a season whereby nobody knows what the system is. They don't know what what he's trying to play, uh, what he's trying to do. You certainly see sometimes see players will come back, say Jacob Murphy, for example, who's been away, will come back and look really full of it, and then you'll see somebody else with a head down, and you can you can almost assess the type of players who are going into the season with a, a point to prove and who who isn't. We haven't got any of that kind of insight this summer, and I also think the lack of Steve Bruce press conferences, he only did one um, that was prior the pre-first game, I think that was against Crew. that was the only one he did, Zoom call and that hasn't allowed anybody to hold the manager and the football club to account and that's, the, to me that's the primary job of a, of a newspaper man is to hold the manager to account on behalf of the fans um, and there hasn't been any kind of uh, chance to do that and I think that's, to me, I hope the football clubs aren't using this um, COVID-19 crisis um, to reset the balance and, and limit the amount of uh, press you can get in, limit the amount of uh, questions that can be asked of managers because it's the lifeblood of it. And fans rely on it. We need uh, the silly answers, the positive answers, all the things that you hear, you might laugh about your mates or at work or whatever. Anything the manager says are actually, they come out of questions that we ask. We ask these questions to get these answers, whether it be on injuries, whether it be on transfers, Whatever there hasn't been any of that on the record and that to me is a is a issue if it continues to be so
0: it's um you know it's just strange i mean the club doesn't communicate a great deal anyway but um yeah Thanks for, thanks for clearing that up um, Let's look ahead to the weekend's game West Ham away West Ham not without their own problems, Liam uh, Newcastle normally a club in turmoil uh, Going into, the, into a new season But that's not the case really with Newcastle But West Ham have got serious problems, haven't they?
1: Look, I think there's a certain amount of clubs in the Premier League Who've got a real weak underbelly And I would class West Ham as one of them They're always a club that are on the verge of crisis Many people would class Newcastle United in that as well, and I'm not afraid to say that. It, it, it is, it is, and it can be. But West Ham, I think, are are about to implode, it certainly feels like. I wondered whether they'd do that last season. They, they always just had enough to stay out of the relegation battle. I think this season's going to be a real struggle for them. The one thing that we've seen um, come out recently, which the club cannot be happy with, is the criticism that's come from within the dressing room. Uh, Noble... Uh, Wilshire and others, commenting on um, social media posts with regards to the sale of a player recently. That's quite incredible. Um, quite incredible. And, and, and the accusations of going, go, I think it was Wilshire had said something like, go somewhere, you'll, you'll be valued. I think that is an absolutely horrendous statement from one of your own footballers towards your own football club. It's just, it shouldn't be done. But I think that shows the mood that is in and around that football club at the moment. And I'm never convinced by David Moyes. I just don't think David Moyes is... He's a manager that really inspires. Um, I think they've spent a lot of money on a lot of players, but they still lack in a lot of areas. Uh, West Ham, and, and I think after the summer that we've had, which has been up and down and down and up again, um, I think I think West Ham's a perfect game for us going down there. We always do well against them home and away. You always fancy we'd have beat West Ham, and it wouldn't shock me to be honest with a couple of new additions. Um, with the wind going the right way, if they get Wilson, if they get Fraser, if they get Holden, um, if they get a c- couple of others potentially as well, because I know they're looking into um, other deals. Um, they might even sign it. This won't be this week. But by the end of the window, they might even sign in last centre forward. Um, it's something they are looking into and it's something that they need. I've said it on here before, they do need that. But I think with a couple of smart additions with the names that were previously mentioned, bring Hendrick back into the team and others, I think Newcastle have got a really good chance this weekend.
0: Send Josh King and then bring Eddie Howe in uh, if Steve Bruce gets sacked. <laughs>
1: yeah, Eddie Howe, the little stories I've heard about him.
0: <laughs> I, have seen him. I've seen him. I did one thing I noticed on your Twitter, mate. I've I've given it a retweet myself. Was uh, Rafa Benitez and he, he never changes, does he? He's never far from from, from Newcastle fans' thoughts. I don't think, but uh, uh, a, a nice little video there from across in China where he was he was even coaching the, the table tennis.
1: I've no idea. You might know. I've no idea if Rafa's even any good. He's, he loves his basketball, but is he any good at table tennis? And he just uh, he's in the air, in the ear of the boy, and he's, he's you can see him giving all the, the directions out.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. brilliant. Well worth a watch. Get on it. Get on to Liam's. Uh, get on to Liam's Twitter to see that. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Um, give us give us your prediction for uh, Newcastle's lineup against West Ham. How do you think uh, Steve Bruce will set up formation and can you name a team? And uh, give us your prediction for the game as well.
1: Yeah, well, I suspect I you'd suspect probably go with Darlow. Uh, Darlo Lascelles, and Fernandez as your centre-halves. Um, Manquio would probably be a right-back with uh, the new boy Lewis as your left-back. Midfield, I think he will go with um, Hendrick and Shelby. I think Almiron will play further forward in that system. Uh, and I think you'll get probably depending on the fitness of, of Richie. I think Richie could play, and obviously that whether he leaves or not would be one because they are going to be short. You can't put a Ryan Fraser straight into the mix. He's going to be nowhere near fit enough. Um, and then, as I've said, a lot depends on the fitness. I, I've got a suspicion Carol might start at maximum plays on the left, but I think if Wilson comes in and looks good in training, I, I don't think any manager would would hold back a new £20 million centre forward. So maybe I've gone full circle in this, In the case in this hour. I've gone round from picking Andy Carroll, to, oh, go on, just, just throw him in, throw the new striker in. So yeah, I think that, that's where I'll go for and, and as for the, the game itself, um, yeah, fancy Castle. And that's my some really, weird everyone out there, but I do. Um, West Ham's one of those games, Tottenham are normally the other games. That I remember when I was a season ticket holder, I always, always yam off, just, oh, they're good. You know, we can get amongst them, we can get at them. And I always think that West Ham still. Tottenham have gone up a level and we see the struggle against them at times, um, especially at home. But um, West Ham are still on that. We'll beat them. They can beat us, but we'll, beat, we'll only beat them up and score a couple of goals. We've had a rubbish pre-season. We've had so much turmoil emotionally, but I fancy we'll go them. Maybe we'll beat them 2-1.
0: Okay, great stuff, Liam, as always, and uh, apologies we're not live, as I said, folks, uh, sometimes work does get in the way, and uh, that's certainly the case this week, we'll be back live again with Liam next week. Liam, just give a quick plug to uh, your other stuff, uh, just before we finish.
1: Yeah, well, you might sort of see out there, journalism costs cash, if you like what I do on here, if you like what I do on Twitter, and the stories in the shows Gazette and um, you can subscribe it costs a pound a month for the first two months if you subscribe through the links that are on all of my stories that you'll see online and um, you get fantastic coverage in your castle not only from myself my staff ross gregory people like phil smith uh, rich mania who do sun others all all sorts of coverage you get on the shears gazette and other sports and all the news particularly if you're from that area so yeah get on subscribe we also do a, uh, our own podcast as well which steve's been a guest on before um, it's called Mouth of the Time Pod We normally record that on a Wednesday So yeah, if you've got anything, any um, issues that you want tackled tackle this week um, Send your messages in to me on Twitter And I'll do my best to answer them
0: And I, and as we speak, I'm always checking Twitter when we're on air And uh, Mike Ashley's actually trending for something positive uh, Wonders will never cease, wonders will never cease <laughs> Well Liam, look forward to catching up with you next week And looking back on uh, hopefully a successful opening game against West Ham. But until then, Liam, speak to you soon. Have a good week. See you
1: later, I mean.